Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is The Ultimate Victory, really guaranteed victory. We're in Mark 9, 30 to 32. It's part two. We did part one last week, part two. Speaking of guaranteed victory, as I was thinking about this, I've been watching a lot of March Madness, like most of the country, right? Uh, I'm a little tired today, actually. But uh, uh, I was thinking, what makes March Madness so exciting? You never know who's going to win. Really. I mean, you really, you really can never figure out who's going to really win. There's usually a Cinderella team or two each year that, that messes up our brackets and, and goofs us up. Uh, even an undefeated team in the Final Four or in the Finals is not a sure bet, as we saw yesterday. There's no sure thing. There's only one guaranteed victory in life, as we're going to see today here. Mark 9, we've been looking at the cosmic conflict and we saw last week the ultimate cosmic conflict. That was the part three in the cosmic conflict. Once again, get the CDs and, or go on the podcast and follow along. But the ultimate cosmic conflict that we looked at from Mark 9, 30 to 32 was the cross. Jesus predicted the cross. And we talked about the result of the cross and what it means to us. How our sin was paid for and we were forgiven. How Satan was defeated. How the evil world was condemned. The, the world system against Christ. The antichrist system was condemned. And how all this resulted in our salvation. If we'll put our faith in Jesus Christ, it results in our salvation. Today we're going to look at part two of this, a couple verses here of Mark 9, 30 to 32, because we looked at the ultimate cosmic conflict. Today we're going to look at the ultimate victory, which is the resurrection. And just as we looked at the results of the cross last week, I want to look at the result of the resurrection, what it means for us today. It wasn't just for 2,000 years ago. It's for right now, here and now, for everybody here today. Let me pray first. Father, we thank you for the worship, the hope that that gives us, the way that we can connect through your Holy Spirit with, your, with you through this worship time, feeling so close to you and, and sensing your love in a powerful way. We pray now that your word would speak to us. And everyone is here for a reason. I pray that every one of us, your spirit would speak right to our hearts through your word. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Mark 9, 30 to 32. We'd started it last week. We're going to finish it today. They, they left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. Now, Jesus, as you know, we've been in Mark 9 following along, and he's been giving them power lessons. He showed them the transfiguration, what he really looks like, you know, the, the God-man, Jesus Christ. We saw the transfiguration. And then he came down from the mountain, he cast a demon out. And we talked about that, that, uh, the, this powerful statement that after he did the transfiguration, after he cast the demon out, he makes this powerful statement about his death and resurrection. And we connected the dots to casting the demon out was a preview of the ultimate spiritual battle with Satan, which he's talking about on the cross. That's what it was about. What he did to the demon is what, a picture of what he's going to do to Satan and, and all of his fallen angels on the cross, his victory on the cross. Now, I also want to focus on the resurrection today. 
the ultimate victory and connect the dots. Just like we connected the dots from the cross, I want to connect the dots because the, the resurrection is proof of our guaranteed victory and some vital practical results for our life today. I could, we could go to many places in, the, in the God's Word for, to look at the, the, the implications. We could spend years and years doing this. But I, want to just, I just sense the Spirit leading me to Romans chapter 8 because there's some interesting parallels to Mark chapter 9. Romans chapter 6, if you've ever read Romans chapter 6, it talks about us being dead to sin. Then in Romans 7, it talks about us being dead to the law, which is what we talked about last week, about being on, what Jesus did on the cross. He, he defeated the law and he defeated sin for us. And then Romans 8, which we're going to look at today, focuses on our new life in Jesus Christ. How to live in the freedom of the Holy Spirit's power. And I want to start off in Romans 8 with verse 11, which is kind of like the, the central verse here. Verse 11, And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Here we see the resurrection connected to our lives here and now. When, you, when we have put our faith in Jesus Christ, the moment you put your faith in Christ, the moment you say, God, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to him. When you take that step of faith, you ask him to forgive your sins and you're going to follow him. The moment you do that, something powerful happens. We receive God's spirit. The Holy Spirit actually comes inside of us. The same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is now living in us. And is going to raise our old sinful nature from the dead. It's going to kill that nature and, and give us a brand new Spirit-filled nature. Rising us from the spiritual dead. And now He lives in us and He gives us a brand new life. And the power to live a life of freedom. That's what happens when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Now let's look at some awesome implications here. First of all, the first one is in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. I want to back up to verse 1. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no more condemnation. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you never have to fear condemnation again, either on this earth or in hell, in hell for eternity. You never have to fear any condemnation. A Christian cannot be condemned. Yes, conviction. We can be convicted. We are every day. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, convicts us that he wants us to do something different, convicts us to move in a certain direction. He does that to keep our lives free of sin. He keeps us free of deception, of Satan's lies. He does it to, when our, our fellowship with God is broken or our fellowship with other believers is broken in some way. He, he convicts us, but we cannot be condemned. Well, then so why do we still feel so yucky? Why do we still feel condemnation and guilt? Well, the Bible says sometimes it's because of self-condemnation. We're beating ourselves up when we don't need to. We beat ourselves up. I remember talking one time about uh, self-condemnation, and a, a, a couple came up to me. It was a, an older couple, and the husband said, 
you were talking about my wife, this self-condemnation. She, she's always beating her up. She goes, yes, I could be a tour guide for guilt trips. You know, she, 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 you know, and I never forgot that. Well, a lot of us could be tour guides for guilt trips, right? Because we're constantly beating ourselves up. We don't need to do that because once we give it to God, we respond to the Holy Spirit, we can let go of it. A second reason we feel condemnation is because someone wants us to feel condemnation. His name is Satan. Satan, the fallen angel, constantly accuses us. He, he constantly accuses us. In Romans, I'm sorry, Revelation 12, it says, for the accuser of our brothers, who accuses us before our God day and night. Now, he's going to be thrown down in the end times in Revelation, but, but he's accusing us constantly. That's what he does. And his, his trick is condemnation. And we think it's from God, but it's not. It's condemnation. So you see, when the Holy Spirit convicts us, this is how you can tell if it's the Holy Spirit or Satan. If, the Holy, if we do something that's not right or God wants us to move in a certain direction, and the Holy Spirit convicts us, and we respond by repenting of our sin, or we take that step of faith he's calling us to take, as soon as we do that, it should stop. We should have peace. We should have joy. Anything you sense after that repentance or after obeying God, anything you sense is Satan's condemnation. It's a lie. Don't listen to it. The, the Holy Spirit convicts us and then we move on. But condemnation and accusation, the goal is to keep us stuck in that bad cycle. That's the goal, is to keep us stuck in the sin cycle. Satan tempts us to sin. Then it, when we do sin, even if we repent, he keeps beating us up. You're bad. You're bad. And he starts to accuse us. You're no Christian. You can't be a Christian if you've done that. You might as well give up. You might as well give in. And we end up hopeless. That's the condemnation. That's the lie of Satan. It's very important to understand and recognize the difference between conviction and condemnation and also to memorize this verse. If you don't have this verse memorized, you need to do it. Romans 8.1, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is vital to living free. We don't have to listen anymore. We don't have to fear condemnation. Why? Because in Romans 8.14-16, let me read this one. Another and powerful truth for us to grasp on this Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Verse 14, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. But you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit of sonship, uh, some of your ver Bible versions might say adoption. Sonship, adoption is the same idea, it's the same word, it's just a different, different way you could look at it. But that's the picture, We're, we, have, we are sons and daughters of, of God because we've been adopted. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you become a child of God. The moment you say, God, I believe Jesus died for my sins, I put my faith in Jesus to forgive my sins, and I give my life to him, the moment you do that, you become a child of God. You are instantly adopted by a really rich guy. One of, our, one of the movies we like to watch, Kim, one of her favorites is Annie. And she loves Annie because there's this little orphan Annie, and she, Daddy Warbucks ends up adopting her. Oh, but I didn't wreck the movie for you. But uh, ends up adopting her, and she's excited. But, and, but it is great. I remember thinking, wow, how awesome is that to have this really rich guy adopt you, and you have all this stuff, you know? But that's what God is. He's got the riches of the universe. It, it, it's, it's nothing compared to what God can give us. And not only that, now we have instant 
total access to God as our Father. And not just Father, look what it says here, Abba. The Aramaic means Daddy, Papa. The most intimate term that you could use of, of, a, of a father. I know a lot of us struggled, you know, we had tough relationships. God's the perfect father. He's a loving father. And, and you can, when we talk to God, it's not out there somewhere. It's daddy. Papa. Whatever, an intimate, beautiful term. Other religions fear their gods, don't they? Other religions fear their gods. They fear them. I don't know if you know, this is something the media doesn't report, but there are many Muslims converting to Christianity in huge numbers. That's why there's so much persecution. They're fearful of it. So many Muslims are, are converting to Christ and becoming Christians. And the main thing, when, when they talk, when I've read these stories and I've even talked to some uh, Muslim uh, converts to Christianity, and you know what they find so compelling about the Christian God? And by the way, it's not the same God. Read the Bible. Read the Quran. There ain't no way it's the same God unless God's schizophrenic, right? right? Two very different, two different supreme beings here, right? We're talking. They are attracted to the Christian God because of His love. His love. They, there's no concept in 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 the Quran of a God who loves them. Yes, submission and and uh, yes, fear. They fear their God, right? But there's no concept of a God who loves them. And they find that so beautiful and attractive. And that's one of the main ways that people are reaching their Muslims' friends for Christ is showing them the love of God. There's no concept of Even some Christian denominations fear God. Right? Some of you grew up being taught you have to pray to Mary because God is scary, right? And uh, listen, you don't pray to Mary because God is scary. No, no. God is our loving Father. We're told to pray to one person. God is our Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. He's a loving Father who wants what's best for us. He wants it. Romans 8, 28. Look at it. another powerful principle here that impacts our life in an amazing way. God wants what's best for us, and we know in all things that God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Memorize this promise. You have to have this memorized. Daily, this is a powerful verse in our life. The moment you surrender, the moment we give our life to Jesus Christ, God begins to make something beautiful of our mess. The, the very moment it happens, God is the ultimate junk artist. He can transform any life. Any life. Your life may be falling to pieces. You may have lost your marriage. You may have lost your job. You may have lost your family. You may have lost all your savings. You may be in bondage to addictions or bondage. You may be in jail or prison. It doesn't matter. God, there's a promise from God here. The moment you give your life to him, that very second, he will bless this mess. That's, that's what he does. It, and it begins a lifelong process. Doesn't mean everything's roses and monkey door. No, no. But it's a lifelong process of giving you the positive purpose for life that he created you to have. Look at the stories here. You've, if you've been in our testimony times, every one of us has a story how God has transformed a difficult, painful life that we brought to him. And, 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 as, and as Christians, we still have to remember this. It's, it's, we have to remember it's a lifelong process 
process. We, you know why? Because we keep fighting. We, we surrender our life to God. We give our life to Jesus Christ. But we keep trying to control things, don't we? We keep reaching, you know, trying to get into the cockpit and hijack the plane and steer it. We end up doing what happened to the plane last week. We crash. That's what happens. Because we're trying to get control of a plane, we end up crashing. But every time we do, God is just waiting. He's just waiting for us to prayerfully surrender. Just like we surrender our life at salvation, it's the same thing with sanctification. He's waiting for us to prayerfully surrender. And then he just takes our new mess. <laughs> Anybody create any messes this week? I live in a messy house. Anyway, the, the, uh, he takes that mess and he adds it, the latest mess, and he adds it to that junk art that represents our life, that he's doing in our life. He adds it to his, his junk art masterpiece. And our lives are transformed by his ongoing mercy and grace. And the whole time this is going on, someone is praying for us. Someone is really on our side, working hard for us in this whole process. Romans 8, 31 through 34. Wild. Uh, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring a char any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who is raised to life, who was raised to life and is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Wow. God is on our side. That's like saying Superman's on your team. Only a lot better than Superman. He even gave up his, it says here, he even gave up his own son for us. What won't he do for us? Nothing. What won't God do for us? Nothing which is for our good. Remember that. Nothing which is for our good. Nothing which is for his perfect purpose in our life. And how do we know that? Because Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. Every wrong thing we've ever done or ever will do, everything, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, God forgives it. It says here, God justifies us. What does justify mean? Good way to remember it. Just as if I never sinned. That's a great definition of justification. Just as if I never sinned. God is the judge of the entire earth, of the entire universe. But the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the judge says, not guilty. Not guilty. Maybe you're here today with shame. Anybody here with shame? Don't put your hands up. <laughs> Anybody here really regret something? We all do, don't we? Could you imagine if we could just go back in time and change something. Think of that thing we'd really love to just go back and erase the tape. You can't. But God can and does. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the moment you ask him to forgive you. Now, we may still have to face some consequences in this life, right? If we're in jail, we've got to finish our sentence. We might have broken relationships that we just can't do anything about. Or we might still have to face people in our face, reminding us, putting it in our face of what we've done in the past. But you know what? That's temporary. Because it's been erased in heaven. It's been erased in eternity. God has forgiven it. Just as if I never sinned. Just think about that. The worst thing you wish you could... It's been erased in eternity. In God's eyes, it never happened. And someday when you're standing before him, it will have never happened. 
Never. Not only that, it says here that Jesus is also interceding for us. After the resurrection, after the ascension, he went up on the throne next to his father, and he's, he's interceding for us. He's our defense attorney. Every time we mess up, here's our defense attorney sitting there interceding for us. Yes, father, he's a dodo, but, but he's my dodo. Every time we you know, mess up, yes, father, it's hard to believe she did that again. It's hard to believe that she did it again. But she's your kid. Don't forget, she's your kid. And you still love her. You still love him. And I think what they need right now is some tough love. <laughs> or I think what they need right now is some extra encouragement, extra mercy, extra grace. He's interesting. He knows exactly what we need. And every time Satan gets into God's face and accuses us, because that's what he's doing, Revelation 12. Everyday accusing. What? God, what does God have to put up with because of our sin? It's going to end in Revelation, but it's still going on. Every time he accuses, Jesus is there. Yeah, it's true, but they're under my blood. They're under the blood of Jesus Christ. We love them, and you can't touch them unless we say so. Remember Peter? Simon Peter sifting. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. That's a picture of the intercession that is going on. And Satan must hate that. But there's nothing he can do because our victory is guaranteed. Romans 8, 35. Let's pick it up there. Where he says... Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. We're seeing this all over the Middle East right now, aren't we? Christians can relate to that one. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from God's love. No matter what happens to us, no matter what happens to you this week, it didn't catch God off guard. It's all part of his loving plan. The only question is this. Will we trust him? Isn't that the real question? Will we trust him? And the reason that we can trust God is because of Easter, because of the resurrection. His power took what looked like a senseless tragedy, what looked like a complete defeat, and he turned it into history's greatest victory. That's why we're guaranteed victory. That's why. Are we living in this victory today? This is Easter Sunday. It's a reminder, the resurrection, that we can live by the Spirit's power. Are we fighting this battle? Maybe you came in here and you've been knocked down. You've been kicked around. Maybe you've given up. Easter, the resurrection, is all about getting back up again and again. It's all about the key is living by faith. Are we living by that faith? 
Not by human effort, but depending on God, depending on his son Jesus Christ, depending on the Spirit's power in our life. Are we living by faith? Are we trusting? Are we living in that faith, trusting in our loving Father? Or are we grabbing the controls of the plane or bailing out all the time? Are we, are we living in faith or fear? Are we living in faith or fear? Because you can't do both. We can't, I say this all the time. We can't do both. But because of the resurrection, we don't have to fear. We don't have to fear anyone. Anyone. Not even the ultimate enemy, Satan. We don't have to fear because of Jesus Christ. I like watching these old, these uh, National Geographic type animal specials with the kids. And, and one day I was watching one that really hit me. We were watching one on crocodiles. And <laughs> my kids are always like, why didn't you let us watch that? You know, the little ones. But anyway, I like them. And we were watching the crocodile one. And it was one of these rivers in Africa or something. And, and whatever came to the river to get a drink, because they're really thirsty, the will to be so, stuff, really thirsty. Whatever came to the river, boom, there was a crocodile yank them into the water, right? But, and they're pulling them in. And, and oh, it's Gruesome, but I, I still watch it. But anyway, uh, so, except for one animal did not have to fear those crocodiles. Who knows? The hippo. The hippo. The hippos, uh, the hippos aren't afraid of these crocodiles because the hippos' jaws are so powerful, they can crush any crocodile at any time, and the crocodiles know it. And it's, it's really wild to watch these hippos walking through piles of crocodiles in these springs and in these rivers, walking right over them and through them with their little babies following right along behind them. And those crocodiles are probably looking and thinking, ooh, that looks good. But they won't touch that baby hippo because they know if they do, what's mama going to do or papa going to do? Crush them! And they won't touch them. And it's wild. The, the mother crocodile, they'll walk up, they'll actually show juniors, they'll be walking next to them, and they'll, they'll actually put their noses on the crocodile and give them a nudge and flip them over and, and lick them and do all these weird things to them. And you're like, what are they doing? They're showing Junior, don't be afraid of this teeth thing. And you, you can see as they're walking away, the little kipple's looking back, sticking its tongue out. You know, yeah, you, you can't hurt me. And, but, but that's what we don't have to fear because of God in our life. We don't have to fear anyone or anything, not even death. Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Where, O oh, grave, is your victory? We don't have to fear because we have the victory in Jesus Christ. We, can we live, are we living this life of no fear, of, of faith? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God gave his one and only son for us on that cross so that we could become his sons and daughters. Have you been adopted? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? I want to end with a story of something that I've just never forgotten. I was reading a story years ago, back when there was all the war in Rwanda and everything. It was a magazine story that just really impacted me. It was titled, The Orphan and the Legionnaire. And there was a French soldier in Rwanda in the refugee camp, and they were burying bodies. People were dying by the thousands. They were just burying them every day. And they were throwing them in, into this big pit, burying, and he saw a little arm move in the pit. 
And he's like, what? And he starts digging through the bodies, and he finds this little boy who's almost dead. I think he was about 10 years old. Almost dead. He was scarred where he'd been you know, hit with the machetes and all that. You know what was going on in Rwanda. And he was starved, and he was almost dead, barely alive. Take him back to the medic, and, and they kind of revive him. And then he ends up getting a little better. They take him back to his company, and he kind of becomes like the company, son of the company. Everybody loves this kid. And, 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 but, he, he, but he wasn't turning around. He was just listless. He was sad. He was, the wounds weren't healing right. They just weren't healing. He had nothing to live for. This guy, this legionnaire goes back to France. He tells his wife about the story. He tells her wife about this little boy. And they couldn't get the kid out of their mind. And they finally decide, we're going to adopt this kid. And they send word back to the little kid. I'm coming back for you. The article is just amazing. This kid had this amazing turnaround. He, his, his life is transformed. The wounds that wouldn't heal all of a sudden start healing quickly. He starts joking and smiling for the first time since they had seen him. And, and he ate so much he started getting real chubby. You know, it was a real cute, chubby little kid now because he's eating. A, and, and he's bragging to everybody, I have a papa with a Jeep. He found me in the dead people. And he took me to the doctor. And he's going to come in a plane and get me soon. And I think the reason it hit me so hard was it reminded me of us. What God has done for us. We were dead in our sin. We were scarred by sin and by Satan. We were spiritually starving, emaciated. We were hopeless. We lived that kind of life, didn't we? But God rescued us through his son, Jesus. And he made us alive and, and he, he healed us and he adopted us, which filled us with hope, which filled us with his Holy Spirit and with joy. And he's coming back again for us, just like the plane, coming back for us, flying and rescue, just like the boy someday. Have you, do you have that hope this morning? Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how is God's Spirit speaking to us? Maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You say, that little boy is me. I'm scared. I'm scarred. I'm spiritually starving. I'm hopeless. For now and for eternity, I don't have hope. But we don't have to stay there. You can receive life just like the resurrection. You can receive resurrection life right now. On this Easter morning. How? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have you ever acted on God's love? You can be adopted and have God as your father, your daddy, right now. You can start a brand new life right now.
by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. A prayer from your heart to God is all it takes. God, please forgive me. All the wrong I've ever done or ever will do, please forgive me. I repent. I turn away from that life. Forgive me. I put my faith in your son Jesus. And I give you my life. I'm going to follow him. Forgiveness, faith, and follow. If you've prayed that prayer of faith this morning, or if you do pray that prayer, something powerful has happened. You're going to find it out. The Holy Spirit is in you. He's going to change you in ways you never thought possible. You're going to think in whole new ways you never imagined. And, and, and he's going to give you purpose and joy and peace and a new love. And I want to encourage you to let somebody know if you've prayed that prayer of faith. Tell me on the way out. Text me, call me, email me. Fill out the card in your bulletin and stick it in the box. Tell a family member, friend, whoever you came with. Let somebody know so that we can be super excited and also help you in your new faith, in your new life in Christ. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Are we living in our victory, in our guaranteed victory? Maybe you're feeling defeated, knocked down, hopeless, living to the lie, what's the use? That lie that's always there, that liar who's always there, what's the use? Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is God's answer to that lie. The proof that we can get back up again and again, and again. Proof that we can live by faith and keep turning to God for mercy and grace, forgiveness and, and help in our, in our weakness. What is our prayer this morning? Maybe it's trusting God. Maybe it's God. We haven't trusted God. He, something's happened in our life, and we don't like the way he's doing things or what he's allowing in our life. And maybe it's an issue of trusting God. Trusting in God, that same God who sacrificed his son, whose son was killed, but came back alive. That God could bring something great out of our present trial or circumstance. Father, I pray that each person here would know you as, as a loving father because we put our faith in your son, Jesus.
And I pray that each one of us would experience you as that loving Father, that we would know your love and know the Spirit's power in our life. And I especially pray for the, those who are discouraged this morning and down this morning, that, that, that we would have hope this Easter. Hope that your Spirit can do this in us. We pray for a spirit of hope to fall upon us through your Holy Spirit and encouragement. And we, I pray that each person here would claim the promises of Romans 8. Each of these promises, we would claim Romans 1, 8, 1. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That we would claim Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. We would claim these verses and live these promises. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.